Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Earth, a cricket-adjacent podcast that I am doing during the uh, World Test Championship and the Ashes Series in England, and I'm very happy to have today's guest. This is our mid-series episode. Normally, we've been recording just before the Test Match or immediately after the Test Match because of the nine-day gap between the third test and the fourth test. It's very nice to be able to have this opportunity to reflect on what has come before, but also look forward to the rest of the series at the moment, Australia. 2-1 up in the ashes, very exciting. And a man who was over there to see it in person joins me for today's uh, episode. It is the amazing uh, Peter Hallier. Thank you for joining me on the podcast, Pete. Great to be here, Will. And can I just say, nine days, it's too long and it feels like it actually feels much longer than that. And we're not even at the ninth day yet. Like it feels like a month ago that the last test was played. Uh, I, I understand what you mean. And, and by the way, I've, I've just realized the irony because poor old Pete this morning, you couldn't find an adapter for your microphone. And we literally were going to do this while you were in the UK, but you didn't have a microphone with you. And now I realize we waited for you to get back to Australia and you, we still haven't got a microphone. So we could have actually really got a hot, fresh take straight from the UK. But the, the good news is that I agree with you. Like, because the, these tours, they used to be three months long and you'd play all these side games and it felt like we were over there forever. This one is so condensed, particularly that second and third test that essentially went back to back. Nine days now feels what used to be a standard thing now feels like forever, doesn't it? I I, I cannot believe how how it feels. Like it – and I guess it's, you know, it, you know the, the upshot is that we're invested and we love it, um, so it can't come quick enough. But it just—it genuinely feels like weeks ago, like like close to a month ago that that last test played out. So, yeah, I I, I, I can't wait. I'm glad though that for the series, and now I'm talking more because as an Australian, I'd love us to see you know winners five zero, and you know of course, but. As someone who loves Test Match Cricket and has seen this for being an incredible competition between two very different teams playing in very different ways, and it's been absolutely fascinating. And I feel like 2-1 is a pretty accurate scoreline out of the three tests that have been played so far. But it also reminds me, with this nine-day break, that if Australia had won the series at 3-zip, I reckon we would have just forgotten about it by now. Like, it would have been over. We would have been like, that's done. What's on now? Yeah. The World Cup soccer. We're watching that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny you say. I mean, I think a lot of us would have had that thought of it's good for the series that England won. And you're right. I think it is a it's a pretty fair reflection. Although, if England win this next one, mm. and Australia <laughs> in trouble, you know, on, on on day three of the of the fifth test, watch us pray for rain. 
you know, yeah. for, the, for the last two days of that fifth test. So, yeah, it's good for cricket right now, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, well, this is this is the time where we can talk about things being good for cricket when you're comfortably 2-1 up still. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's what I, I'm going to ask you. You went over to the UK. You yep. went and actually watched some cricket when you were there. So talk us through what that experience was like. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. So, um, I mean, I went to Lords when I was eighteen. I was, I was uh-huh. uh, by myself traveling and just got like a, a, a scalpers kind of ticket outside the ground. Um, and and it was England versus South Africa. It was actually um, it was South Africa's first game, kind of back into the into the cricket community. Um, it was an infamous day uh, where Mike Atherton was uh, did a bit of ball tampering. Uh, oh. For memory, I, I, I don't think he served a year suspension on uh, for memory. No, in fact, he did not serve a year. Um, in fact, he barely got um, uh, a tap over the um, the knuckles. Um, but he uh, so. I mean, look, that was against South Africa. Our ball tampering was against South Africa. I'm starting to think it's South Africa's yeah. fault. Yeah, I think there's something about South Africa that makes people want to tamper with the balls. Where, where, <laughs> where, where there is smoke, there is fire. And I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, um, but that, so that was, that was a great experience. And then, so then eight, 18 years later to go and, and, and take my 18-year-old son, uh, Aiden, uh, to, to the game, day one, at Lords, Australia versus England was was pretty special, and I was blown away by this little. I'm not sure if you have you been to Lords. Never, no, I've never watched cricket in England. Like one of my great dreams back in the day. You know, how sometimes when you're young, like you have these like re- you're like this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is like my bucket list, and then just somewhere in living you, your life, you just kind of forget about something you used to hold so precious. And it's only since I've been way back into test match cricket again that I've rediscovered this idea that maybe because one of my big dreams was to go and watch test match cricket in all the places where they play test match cricket that was just one of those things I wanted to do in my life was visit all the countries and I've done fuck all of that like (laughs) you've been to the the G you've been to the Gabba (laughs) I I haven't even seen it played in Hobart I haven't even been to all the states in Australia to watch Test Match Cricket I can can say that I have and Bell Reef is a bloody good place to watch uh, Test Cricket you'll have a great day down there. It's the only ground uh, that I've been to where literally outside on the nearest street corner you can buy horse manure. Mm. Um, <laughs> that, that was surprising. Uh, I, I didn't buy any, but the fact that it was uh, being sold and available was, was uh, surprising. Well, I mean, some people, you know, they go to the cricket for the day and then on, like when they get home they want to, you know, fertilise the garden. Yeah, that's okay. That's it. That's it. It's a big day out. <laughs> um, so, no, I haven't I, – I would love to. And, in fact, I'm hoping that the momentum of this podcast will catch on so much that by next time the Ashes comes around, like, you know, I'll be able to leverage it into some opportunity to travel overseas and go to all the matches and do the podcast from over there. So that's my long-term planning that I've put in place to have this experience. But, no, I've never been before, so tell me everything. So one of the surprising things, which I don't think I knew yeah. when I – 18 years ago, I'm not sure if it's changed. I, I imagine it probably hasn't, but – you can take into the ground at Lords, the home of cricket, two cans of beer each, or a bottle of wine or champagne. 
A, a bottle of wine? A bottle. A, a glass, glass bottle, bottle of wine. Yes. So you have everyone around you just popping oh. corks and, and opening their wine and <laughs> it's, just, it's just like it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. Like you can just not imagine that happening anywhere in Australia now. Like and it just seems – well, the problem is that we can't be trusted as Australians, right? That's the problem. They used to let us take alcohol of our own to the games and then people would take like eight slabs and drink them all and then just like, you know, just start chucking them at people. Yeah. Like we can't be trusted to take a bottle of wine. We let people take one bottle of wine. Someone gets glassed at the first game. Yeah, I, I reckon probably after the, the, like the seventh stabbing in Bay 13, they probably yeah. went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no more yellow into the ground. Okay. <laughs> no more bottles of yellow. Come on, you made your fun. You know that if people were able to take champagne in, there would be supporters by the fence popping corks at players while they're trying to kick <laughs> goals, right? <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, and, and yeah, yeah. And they, they, when you say there was a glassing, that, that would be a player. It wouldn't be anyone in the in the crowd. It would yeah. be, it'd be Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad would not be alive today if that rule existed in Australia, with no doubt. <laughs> okay, so you can take in two cans or a bottle of wine, a bottle of champagne. Yeah, that's all. And- that's all I've got to say, really. I mean, it was <laughs> no, no. It's um, you walk down and it's it's there's a real atmosphere, like. I mean, I love the walk from Jollymont, you know, to the G as, mm-hmm. as well on a, on a big day. And and the Ashes is, is like no other, you know. Um, for me, watching the Ashes is like watching kind of almost any AFL final. Like every, each day of it feels like a final. Like it's 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 like no other. I watch the Ashes like I watch no other Test cricket. Like and I what what and why is that? Do you think? I think that's part of what we've been talking about on this show. Is this like why is it so special? Do you think? What's at the heart of that for you? It really just feels important. Still, like mm. it feels. Oh, it, it, it's like it's, it's imagine if, if Collingwood. I'm a tragic Collingwood supporter, and they've delivered me quite a bit of heartbreak over the years. Um, it's like watching. It's like watching Collingwood play Carlton, our, our arch nemesis, our arch rival, in a final each time. It kind of feels like if we lose this, you know, it's go- we're going to hear about it for a long time, you know. Um, so, and, and they just have the Ashes has this innate ability to to to, to be dramatic, like no, like no other series. Seems, I mean, maybe it's because we're, we're so invested that we we you know the drama's amplified. Perhaps maybe this drama is in every test match and we just don't focus on it uh, or, or, or we miss it. Um, but it just, I mean, I love the fact that all these, you know, the, the fifth day is usually in play uh, in, in, in the Ashes series. Um, and there are villains and heroes and twists and turns throughout the whole thing. And, yeah, I mean, it, it is the old enemy. Uh, uh, so, yeah, but I, I, you know, even when Ben Stokes, you know, uh, tore our hearts out um, a couple of years ago. I stayed up and watched all of that. And at the end of it, as as much as it hurt to lose and for, you know, Nathan Lyon not to take that ball and get that stump <laughs> off, um, at the end of the day, you had to kind of go, you know what, I've just seen one of the great test innings you know, and I'm bloody. I'm still bloody stoked that I stayed up for it. Um, um, so there's just 
it's it's never over until that final wicket gets taken and and it's I can understand if people don't like Test cricket, but I feel I f- I feel for them. <laughs> yeah, I feel a bit sorry for them, you know, because it's like I if you get it, you get it, and and it's it's. Yeah, my mother-in-law goes on about, you know, oh, I can't stand the test cricket, you know. They take so long to, you know, to to make runs. But uh, it's just I get gripped by every ball because every ball is an opportunity for the game to get spun on its head. And I think that what you said about the idea, does every test have these twists and turns or are we more invested in this and we notice it more? I think it's probably a bit of both. But I do think that test cricket – because, and this is what I love about it as well, so much of it is psychological. Like in a lot of other games that are played, like, you know, particularly sports that we follow, and you and I are both, you know, fans of AFL, and there's a lot of very split-second decision-making, but it is almost constant. It is constantly moving split-second decision-making. So like a lot of the thinking that you're doing isn't very long-term. It is very short-term in like what is going on, right? Like you're very much in that active mind, whereas in cricket – there might be several plans that are happening all at once, some of them that are meant to take longer or shorter, a person against a person, a team against a team, a way to combat, like, you know, and there's this real push and pull, which I think this series, there's been a lot of push and pull. We're seeing two different teams playing in two different ways and they've both had successes and failures in the individual battles in between. And if you understand those battles, like if you're invested in – if you know David Warner's record against Stuart Broad, it means more than when Stuart Broad comes on to bowl to David Warner. You've got to understand a little bit of the storyline yes. to fully appreciate the game. And, and that was, to be honest, and the day that I, I went on day one of the Lords, that was the storyline. It was, okay, England wins the toss with cloud overhead looking like, and, and like the English around me, they 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 were pretty cocky like they they knew it was a good toss to, to win we knew it was a, a a bad toss to lose and they were up and about and knowing that Davy Warner was going to be facing Stuart Broad uh, as soon as they got the climate protester uh, off the ground um which which by the way I know Johnny Bear so you know done a bit of you know been in the headlines for other reasons since then but full credit for his his performance on that day the carry the carrier protester off the ground uh I was there to see it and uh, he, he literally carried him from from basically a uh, square leg to um uh, over the fence it was remarkable like one I arm. mean it really proved you know if the ball was the size of a human he'd be able to catch it <laughs> <laughs> He hung on to him the whole way <laughs> to the boundary too. Maybe he dropped him a couple of times. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. But at least he went for it. Um, but, um, yes, it was uh, – and, and that, yeah, that was certainly the storyline. And Davey Warner dug in and uh, he made – you know, I think he got into the 80s um, uh, for memory. Um, so that – exactly what you say, knowing that storyline and knowing that – I mean, I was, to be absolutely honest, and no, no offence, I guess – no offense to David Warner. I'm a big I mean, fan it'd of. be weird if it'd be weird if he was listening. No, be, he, <laughs> they're cricket nuffies, all of them. I mean, I mean, Steve Smith would be listening, no doubt. He, he would be. He'll have this on in his hotel room as he's practicing cover drives, no doubt with his pads on. Um, um, but I, I, you know, I was kind of expecting you know yeah. uh, David to go, and it was actually Ulzi uh, who went out first, and and then he, you know, he. he he dug in and, and the ball was moving around and, and um, 
So, but yeah, you're exactly right. Knowing that storyline um, makes it all the more rewarding. Uh, so, other impressions of, of your day at the game? It was. Um, I mean, you, you always—it's fun to see like the you know, the, the hill they talk about on on, uh, on the ground, it, it, the slope. Um, yes, uh, it's just so for people who don't understand or didn't listen to the episode about that, that this is one of these classic cricket things that other people don't understand. I was trying to actually—I was at the AFL football the other night, and there was some people behind uh, me at the game who'd brought someone, I think, from Canada, and they were trying to explain the rules and one of the ones that the Canadian could not get their head around was the idea that there was no standard size for the AFL grounds that like you know from game to game they could be played on different shaped ovals and it's also one of the things I love about cricket is there's no standardized size for a cricket oval and lords in particular they're just like oh yeah by the way at one end if you're bowling you have to run uphill yeah like (laughs) yeah we're not gonna. We're never gonna fix that. We're just gonna leave that as part of the design of the ground. I oh, know you, you, you're not sure if if Stuart Broad's <laughs> gonna run over, or you're gonna see Julie Andrews. It's 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 quite remarkable. But I, but I, you know, I love I love the the, the characters yeah. that you know. It brings character to to the ground. The grounds have characters, so it's not right. just. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of character that goes on in in stadium in the you know off the off the pitch, you know, and and the, in crowds around the world for different sports. But I love the different grounds, and yeah, there's so much nuance to do, to do with the pitch, uh, you know, in, in cricket and the way that you know the weight will deteriorate over the five days. And that's why I think Americans, you know, people not not don't know the sport, don't understand about five. It's not the same day. It's not the same conditions five days in a row. Like this is you're playing on a pitch that is dying, um, and um, yeah. So every day's every day's a bit different. But it's also, I mean, I, I was literally sitting back row, mid wicket. I literally had the had the like the stand be, the wall the stand behind me with uh, my son, and it's a very different back row than the MCG. Like you, you still feel very close to the action. I mean, the Gab is a great ground to watch. Um, yeah, cricket out, I think, as well, because you feel pretty close, so, as, as you do, I think, at the SCG as well, and obviously Bell Reeve. But, um, yeah, you still felt very close uh, to the ground and to the players, so that was great. And um, I will say it was a pretty quiet a quiet crowd. Like, I think mm. next time I go over um, to do your podcast um, over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ATO are listening. Uh, it's all work. Um, <laughs> um I um I'd love to go, you know, maybe to Manchester or or, or you know uh, one of the other um, uh, tests because it, it's I've done Lords twice now and I'd happily go again, but I I, I would hate it to be my sole experience because I'd love to experience a bit of a rowdier crowd. They're pretty well behaved. Um, in fact, there was a couple of times where it was eerily quiet. Um, uh, to be honest, and that was probably when they were realizing that they weren't. Um, you know, getting the wickets that they, they, they'd come to see. But, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite quiet. So were you, were you still in the UK for the fallout of the second test? No. So I, I had um, – I was literally in a jungle uh, when uh, these tickets were, were got for me um, uh-huh. uh, doing – I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. So I had no contact and, and my brother – and my wife kind of teamed up when the late last ballot came out for tickets and um, secured us two tickets. And 
Um, and my wife was planning our trip, so she said, "Okay, he's, he's got a day one. We'll leave. The, we'll leave the next day and go to Paris." So yeah. um, I was, <laughs> I was uh, on the, the Eurorail uh, to Paris the next day for day two. And what, funnily enough, uh, Kathy Lett, who uh, obviously you, you know Will and um, you know Australian um, uh, writer, she wrote, famously wrote *Puberty Blues*, one of the great um, Australian kind of pieces of entertainment. Um, and bring um, uh, a great book. Um, and she came to see our show. We did, me and Tom Gleason did shows in uh, Soho Theatre, uh, which were a lot of fun. That was the reason reason for your trip, of course, ATO. Yeah, ATO, ATO, listen. ATO, listen, that's, that's it. That's uh, the reason <laughs> yeah. we uh, also went to Barcelona and Rome yeah. and um, <laughs> <laughs> and and she, uh, unaware that we're going we were already in Paris because Tom also came mm. to Paris. Uh, he stayed for day two because Kathy got him a ticket for day two. Then he joined us on day three. So we had a few days in, in Paris hanging out uh, our families. And Kathy emailed us saying, I've got one ticket for day five. You guys can fight over it. Um, and we had to kind of write back saying, oh, thanks so much, Kathy, but we, um, uh, we're we in Paris. And in that, in Kathy's original email, she said, oh, um, you know, I've got one a spare ticket, you know, it's with Steve and, um, you know, I'm sure you guys will get along. And it wasn't until I sent my email back that I realised she was talking about Stephen Fry. Um, so, uh, Who's, Isn't he like chairman or president of the he's, MCC he's, or something like that? He is the president of the MCC. And yeah. so to this day, and obviously it's about, you know, only a few weeks later, uh, I don't know if I missed a great opportunity or evaded a tense situation like would that would that day five and you know and Stumpgate being a fun way to watch with the president of the MCC and 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 comic icon and, and you know hero of mine Stephen Fry or would it have been you know would I have been um, targeted uh, by you know Stephen and um, and those around him because it was a pretty tense situation. I mean, I would have loved if just through some twist of fate, like you know you see those scenes out of the like the long room at Lords on the final day with the Australians being heckled by the crowd and like you know the, and just in the in the background a strawny and the Australian fast bowler <laughs> just <laughs> 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 it, it would have been it would have been very funny if we were sitting there with Stephen even in, his, in, in his box and just like heads down just being screamed at by Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and Ben <laughs> Um, and and in Paris, was there much talk of the uh, Australia versus England result in the Ashes? Was it the they, talk they, of Paris? They they were so they were so outraged. They took to the streets and started looting. Um, I mean, I wasn't across all the news. I'm not sure. It, 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 it might, might have been for other reasons, but um, <laughs> it, was, it was funny because I was I was in Barcelona for the uh, the first test, um, and like. Yeah, it's not a fun way um, to try to enjoy cricket. Basically, walking to your dinner through the streets of Barcelona with your family, refreshing, <laughs> refreshing your feet, you know, trying to find out who Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyons have my ball and uh, made made a couple of runs. So um, that was the way I experienced the first test. Uh, 
Uh, okay, so obviously coming up to the, the fourth test, there's been a lot of speculation around what Australia's best team might be. And, of course, we love to add to the noise here on this podcast and just randomly speculate about who should be in and out of the team based on absolutely no knowledge at all. Yeah. So, yeah, um, obviously, the look, the key decisions the Aussies seem to need to make is like Mitch Marsh seems undroppable based on the third test. Does that mean that Cameron Green comes back? If Cameron Green comes back, who does he come back in replacement for? Is there room in the side for Michael Nessa maybe if we want a different option? Uh, like, and there's somebody else you know, there's somebody else you're leaving out too. Uh, and there's someone else I'm leaving you, out too. You're leaving out the Glenn Maxwell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are leaving yeah. out Glenn Maxwell. Uh, of course I am. The because big show. I wasn't even aware the big show was back playing cricket. Like – Last I heard, he'd done himself an injury playing beer pong at a birthday party <laughs> and he was out of the Indian tour. I didn't realise he was available for selection. Yeah, well, he's over there and putting yeah. some good form together. And um, and I don't know, like, okay, so <laughs> I, and nothing yeah. against young Murphy. He's 22. Yeah. He's going to play a lot of cricket for Australia. And, I, okay. and and if he ends up if he plays, which he, let's face it, he probably will. Um, then if he plays, they've got to be confident that they're going to bowl him. Yes, that's all I would say. Is like if if they're not confident enough to bowl him in pressure situations, then they shouldn't play him. Yeah, and I, I would I would bring Nessa in, and I would play. I think Ken Green's comes back in, but I think you can't. I agree, you can't drop Mitch Marsh. So, I mean, if you're England, you'd be absolutely stoked—no pun intended—that that if Mitch Marsh gets dropped, you know, like that's that's the way I think about it. If I'm the opposition, do I want Mitch Marsh playing? No, I don't think I do. Um, I, I wonder, like, do they play Warner? Can, can somebody else open? Can Trav Head open? Can um, can Mitch Marsh open, you know. it's it, One thing about cricket that I'd never completely <laughs> understand it, it, with, with positions yeah. of, of, you know, like, and I I played a bit of cricket growing up, but my brother played a lot more cricket and knows a lot more about cricket than I do, as does my dad. Um, but I never kind of quite get a, the whole thing about batting positions. And I, that he's, got to, he's got to play five, he's got to play six, he, you know, he, he's got to play three. It's like just learn, they've all learned how to bat. So, you know, like Labashane. The argument, so, I mean, so the argument being that, um, you know, they're different. Like I think the main one being tempo of play used to be part of it, right? Like that, you know, your openers could afford to be a bit slower than your middle order batsmen for building an innings, that sort of thing. But I think a lot of it is to do with how you are against the various types of ball, right? Are you good against the vulnerable against the new ball, like the shiny ball? But the argument that would be made to that about if you were going to say green or marsh might open, they both have opened in, in short form cricket. And at five or six, you're normally getting the second new ball anyway. So it's not like you're unused to playing against yes. a new ball. Yes. But it is also the thing about elevating a like a first drop, a Labuschagne or like we've done this before with, you know, Kawaja becoming an opener. Like I agree with you. Like it, if if we lose two quick wickets, you're in against the new exactly. ball regardless. Labuschagne could, like, could literally be facing the second <laughs> ball of the yeah. day. Yeah. 
So can it really make that much of a difference yeah. if he plays like now? Ideally, of course, I'm ashamed. Would like to come in when the ball's a bit battered, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and there's a century on on, on the board. But mm. like, there's every chance that's not going to happen. So yeah. I think I think if they decide, like people are wondering, okay, well, who who you know does Marcus Harris come in? But I don't think you need that. I think no. I, I, I just I just think you play somebody within the team. And if I don't think we're trying to solve the problem of Warner. I honestly don't. I think this conversation, because Warner's actually done fine. Like he was terrible in the last test, but yeah. But so far he's actually done absolutely fine. I agree. Like for what his job is. And th- this conversation is less relevant about Warner now than it was a month ago. Like I actually think he's like in better position to hold his position in the team than he was a month ago coming into these things, if that makes any weird sense, right? Like I think he's done enough. This is about us not wanting to drop Mitch Marsh, first and foremost, and us wanting to bring back in Cam Green. And then suddenly we're like, oh, Nessa made like 176 in a match and he'll probably move it around a bit. And you know what? The big show, Glenn Max, we could bat 11 guys. <laughs> like it's it's suddenly about all these possibilities versus what's already there. I don't think we're trying to solve the Warner problem, which is why – I don't think Harris or Renshaw are the answer. It's about whether we're going to gain something else by picking a player who isn't Warner, right? Completely agree. Completely agree. And and uh, and the idea of bringing Nessa in, I'd like. I mean, we, we get so excited when we think there's like the solution. The solution's <laughs> yeah. on the horizon, yeah. and it's, it's yeah. disappeared because you go well. Boland hasn't been as effective, so no. you can understand if, if they decide to bring Boland, Stewie Boland out. Um, no, that, I mean the thing about Boland. I think the, the, Boland has a thing that he does very well. They've come up with a good way to counteract that. Like that's that's all that's happened. It doesn't mean Boland's not like a good bowler anymore. He's lost. Like I mean, he bowled us to the World Test Championships. Like he's, but he, his greatest strength is putting the ball on the exact same spot over and over and just like very. And they have just decided our plan to that is we're going to run down the pitch and smash you all over the joint. And at the moment. It's working as a plan against him. So I don't think he can play. You've either got to pick Hazelwood or like another bowler. Well, exactly right. And you almost forget, you've almost forgotten about Hazelwood. You know, in, in the mm. in the excitement about Nessa uh, coming in, you know, in a way we've forgotten about Josh Hazelwood, who's obviously a very good bowler. You know, uh, yeah, one of the one of the better bowlers in the world. Um, but I like the idea of bringing Nessa in because he, he can bat. Um, and, and Josh is, you know, not hopeless with a bat, but, but you know, Nessa. Nessa is a, is a better bat, so I, I, I like just giving giving England something else to think about. Um, I, I, I like. Um, what if we open with Glenn Maxwell? We pick Glenn Maxwell, yeah. and he opens the batting. Kawaja Maxwell. Yeah. Yeah. Labashane. Like, give him license to go out and, like, you know, smash it wherever he wants to smash it. Right hander, left hander. Labashane and Smith in next. Yeah. And then. Mitch Marsh, Cam, Cam Green, Green yeah. Michael Nessa, Alex Alex Carey, Michael Nessa, uh, Paddy Cummins, uh, Mitch Mitch Marsh, Paddy Cummins, Cummins batting at ten or eleven. I don't know how far <laughs> yeah. down I've got. How many people have I picked? We've got Glenn Maxwell. We've yeah. got uh, Uzi, uh, yeah. uh, Marnus, and, uh, and Steve Smith. Uh, then in and then uh, Mitch, Mitch Marsh. Marsh. And then Cam Green. Cam Green. Um, Alex Carey Alex at seven. Carey. Michael Nesser at eight. Mitch Marsh at nine. 
Pat no, comes no, 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 at Mitch 10. Mitch Marsh has already been in, hasn't he? He comes in after. Is he coming? Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, Mitch uh, Stark at yeah. uh, nine. Pat Cummins at ten. Paddy Cummins at ten is very. It's very exciting. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I think I think bring Warner in at eleven. Bring Warner. In. <laughs> That's oh, Travis Head. Oh, okay. oh, oh, Travis how can we forget Travis so, Head? Sorry. People, no, they people are screaming at us at the moment. So uh, Cummins is coming. So, yeah, sorry. It's, so Maxwell opens with uh, – this is great. I love this team. Maxwell opens with Uzi. This is great. Right-hander, left-hander. Maxi just like Baz, puts Baz Ball back in their face. Yeah. We, we got the big show in. Then you got Marnus to steady it up, Steve Smith Trav to head. like lock it yeah. in, Trav had to come in and bash him everywhere. Mishmash comes in, bashes him everywhere. Cam Smith's there if we need backup. Alex Carey. That's and then you got Nessa, Nessa coming in at eight. What? Eight? Yeah. Just off 176 in local cricket. Oh, yeah, it might be nine, actually. Actually, it's nine. Nine. <laughs> yeah. nine. Stark at 10. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Cummins at 11. Andy Cummins at 11 is a very yeah, that's, handy bat. That's a good time. That tail. Lock it in. Will, that is the wag. best. That'll wag. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know what? That is a good time. I would love Australia to go into the next match. That's our team. Oh, that is amazing. The wag on that tail. That is that is Rebecca Judd right there. That is. I mean, that's a good. I mean, why, I mean you're, why can't you're, you're joking about the Australian the, the cricketers actually listening to this podcast? But yeah. I hope the selectors are listening. I really do because I think we've solved a lot of issues. And, right, we got we got a spinner, so, but, yeah. and between Head and Maxwell, they like that they're, they're our spinners. Yeah. We've got two all rounders in Marsh and Green who can do some bowling. So then you've got Stark. Like who's going to bowl his stuff? Nessa, who'll wobble it around a bit. Cummins takes a little bit of workload off him with the backups there, yep. and then you've just got like gum batsmen all over the place. Yep, yeah, it's 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 done. That lock lock that and in. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Maxwell doesn't come off at the top of it. Like it's worth the roll of the dice. You've still got your bat till eleven. Oh, Cummins is coming in at eleven. You're fine. And, and, and Davey can carry the drinks. You know, like we'll bring him on. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. he can. It's a good. He's still good in you know in, in the slip cordon. So that's it's mate. Yeah. Well, you don't lose anything in the field having Maxwell in the team. No, that's no, not at all. Not at all. No, mate. That's. That's exciting, and, oh, and, and this can only lead now to disappointment. <laughs> whatever team they go with, yeah. the only downside oh, to what we have just done is that it's not going to happen, and we're going to be a little bit shitty. It's absolutely selectors. not going to look anything like the team we just picked, which is an awesome cricket team from top to bottom. Well, Pat Cummins won't vote for it because you know, as as team orientated as he is, I don't think he's he wants to come in at eleven. Mate, if we pick a team where Pat Cummins comes in at 11, the English won't even play in the game out of fear. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, you know what? We've seen your team on paper. There's no way we can beat that team. Somehow Will Anderson and Peter Hallier have unlocked (laughs) the perfect Australian cricket team. We have have broken down baseball. There's no weaknesses in that team. That's a good team. I mean, just – okay, if we win – if we Mm. win whatever team they go with in this next test – if we win, is, the, yeah. The, well, we if we to, win or lose, we need to pick this team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the fight. Yeah, yeah. If, if we lose, we weren't, we weren't aggressive yeah. enough with the team selection. Yeah. And and, and, if, we and win, if we win, we've got a free hit. We pick time. this team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> time for the big show. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the big show. <laughs> oh man, I'm into that. Um, do you have like I mean of like the current Australian cricketers? Is, is, is do you have particular favourites? Is there somebody that you 
I mean, obviously, the one that I would like, you know, I mean, there's been a bit of talk about this, obviously, in the last, you know, week or so. Gee, we miss not having Nathan Lyon as part of our team, like, for the first time in a very long time. Like, Lyon is one of those guys that you almost take for granted because yeah. he's always there. Yeah. And because his performance is more about consistency than it is about those huge, like, games, you just kind of forget that he's just so reliable at like yeah just doing his job all the time and he was so missed in that last game so yeah um, yeah yeah he's definitely one for me but is there any of the current day players who are big favorites of yours yeah yeah i I agree with nathan line we we do take it for granted um you know it's funny spinners are kind of funny you know we had this generational rock star of a, of a leg spinner who was just like nothing we had seen before and we will never see it. Stu- Stuart McGill. Stuart McGill. Yeah. That, of course. <laughs> Stuart McGill. <laughs> a Tim Jura. Um, <laughs> so, that's all I was just Tim Jura. I went, I went to wiki keeping all of a sudden. Um, but anyway, no, he, um, he bowled leg spin though. He's at Tim Jura. Yeah, he bowled <laughs> a leg spin and wicket. Oh, there we go. Um, so... But yeah, and all the other spinners, they just they just they kind of like work. They all kind of look like you could, you could not get a group of people who look up the opposite of Warney. Like they all look like they've they've finished their shift at Tandy or something, you know. Like <laughs> they all, yeah. So Nathan Lyon, I think for a long time, he thought, oh, he'll just be here for a little while, and then he's all of a sudden he's played a hundred yeah. tests and become one of the great off spinners of, you know. Uh, of our, you know, well, our I mean, team. probably as great, probably Australia's greatest ever, yeah, 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 and and certainly one of the greatest of all time, really. Like the, even the Indians, like Rohit Sharma said in India that, like you know, he don't doesn't think there's been a better overseas bowler to visit India in his time. Like you know, he's widely respected around the world. For, I mean, his record for a finger spinner in the Australian cricket team, like you said, we've just never loved finger spinners really. Yeah. Like they they always felt like just an inconvenience we had to have up our sleeve, you know, whereas, you know, he's yeah, – anyway, he's incredible. He's hugely missed. The only way we can replace him is, is with the big show. It's the only way. It's the only way. <laughs> and again – Young Murphy, your time will come. Your time will come. But yeah. you may have to step aside for the big show um, uh, for this one. But um, as far as favourites go, I, I, I love, I do love Steve Smith. Uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, a few grounds where he's made uh, a ton. I was, um, he nearly got there on day one at Lords. Uh, that would have been a, a third or fourth time I've seen him. I've seen him make a ton at the G at Bell Reeve and um, and the Gabba. Um, uh, so um, I, I love him. I love Uzi. Um, I, I just think he's. Uh, I, I, love, I love his story. You know, it, it, cricket's a funny game, isn't it? Because guys can kind of fall out of favour, or they they disappear for a bit, and you kind of we're pretty quick to write them off sometimes. And 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 I think because if you follow a sport like AFL, you know, you very rarely do. There's a bloke go missing out of the senior team for you know a year or two years, and then kind of uh, resurface. So. Um, I love. I mean, even the accidental nature of all that, because uh, so I've spoken about this before, but um, many, many years ago, a long time ago now, I was on a flight to England and ended up sitting next to Usman Quadra. A whole bunch of cricketers were going over to play, and I was on my way over, and we sat next to each other and ended up talking for you know those big long flights. You end up just having a chat to the person next to you for quite a while, and we got along really well, and just sort of kept in touch over the years. Just very. In a very small way, you know, just the occasional check-in sort of thing. But I always 
I was like, what a nice young man he was. And I always sort of wished him the best and had been a bit sad that it had never quite worked out for reasons that were a bit hard to fathom. But people forget that even this stage of his career where he's really been the best Australian batsman in the last 18 months, like consistently, you know, um, it only happened because Travis Head got COVID. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like that was the only reason that Usman played. I'm not sure that any of this would have ever happened if Travis Head hadn't got COVID and not been able to play in that game. We might not have ever seen Usman Khawaja play test match cricket again. And so I'm just saying that COVID was worth it. Based on that alone. <laughs> and it's hard to disagree. <laughs> right? Yes. And the great thing about it is Travis Head comes back in as well. Like we don't lose right. Travis Head because Travis, no. Travis Head is fastly quickly becoming, you know, one of my, you know, well, he's already one of my yes. favourites in the team. He's a, he's a bloody. I mean, apart from the fact that we left him out of selection like at least five minutes ago. Yes, but that was an oversight. Accidentally. That was, that an was a real, yeah, never to be not selected again. That's That, that, that was embarrassing. And mm. uh, I hope, uh, I, I assume you could only edit that out of this podcast and mm. the masses won't be hearing uh, that uh, oversight. Just just um, say Travis Head a few times and I'll edit it in. Yeah, Travis Head. Travis yep. Head at five. Uh, mm. Travis Head. <laughs> yeah, Travis good. Head? Well, you got a few options we'll, there. Yeah, we'll options. just know. We'll put, we'll put them all in. <laughs> put them all in. <laughs> but, I mean, cricket is all about, you know, taking your opportunities. I mean, you know, literally it is about that. It's the great thing about cricket, it's, a, it's, a, it's an individual sport wrapped up in a team sport. You know, um, you know, we, we all talk about the Australian team, but when it comes down to it, you know, it, it, it's it's one bloke who stands at the pegs and uh, and has to defend or attack and and, and make those split second calls. Um, and at the other end, you have you know one bloke for the other team who's you know um, it's up to him to uh, to try to uh, yeah knock the castle over, as they say. And so it's it's it's, it's kind of fascinating, I think, cricket like that. Uh, so. Pete, looking forward, like Baz Ball, like what's your vibe on, you know, its place in the game? Like, you know, like are you a fan of – I mean, look, you know, look, Baz Ball is a thing that people say a lot when they don't actually follow cricket. Like they're playing attacking cricket and the fact that there, there have been three results so far, the one thing that you could say about this test series is I don't think there would be three clear results if the English didn't play the way that they're playing. The, the mode in which they play enables results even in games that have had, you know, almost an entire day washed out. So you've got to give them a huge tick for the, like, the pace and the vibrancy that they bring to the table. The overall concept of baseball, has it captured your imagination? Is it here to save cricket? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think Adam Gilchrist could probably sue over uh, this. <laughs> I mean, I seem to remember him playing baseball very well uh, for yeah. a long time. But the idea that the whole team um, could get behind uh, this is, is pretty extraordinary. Um, and you're right, I do love it because it does guarantee a result. I do also love... And I love that Australia has resisted it, but the um, they kind of play this off off the off the field kind of game with it as well. Like they really they've really worked hard to sell the idea of baseball, almost willing the Australians on to play it back. And, and I think we've done it's been pretty disciplined. I think, um, particularly someone like Davy Warner, who you know who doesn't mind going after it. You know, he's like that innings at Lords. I thought was a really disciplined uh, innings. 
Um, yeah, sometimes he can kind of go after that wide ball early, but he um, he was a bit more disciplined. So I, I, I love not just what it's brought on the field, uh, but also the theatrics off the field and, and the, the, the the mind games doing played in press conferences um, to, to try to get the Aussies to you know to kind of meet them halfway. It's like no, well we know how to play cricket. We're very good at that. We're the World Test Champions right now, and you're not. In fact, we didn't even play you to, to become the World Champions. There was another team between us and you. So I'm very interested to see how the rest of this plays out. There's a lot of people saying that maybe the momentum's with the English now. I think the momentum has swung wildly from day to day and often during the days for the entire Test match. Our friend Justin Hamilton, who's not a huge cricket fan, has been getting a daily update from me, which normally is like, who's in front? Because I can't work it out. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's generally been the vibe from day to day. It's been a bit hard to tell who's in front at most times. And just when you think one team's got the best of it, there's these, been these moments where it's swung wildly the other way. I think the Australians personally are going to be good for the nine-day nine break because I think what people forget is not only has this test series been incredibly condensed, but as you said, we played the World Test Championship, this thing that we'd been working towards for two years. We play that first, then we roll in the three tests against the English. I feel like this nine days off, I think it's good for the Australians. Like the fact that we only have two more to get the job done now, I think that is a good thing. That's anyway, that is what I'm choosing to believe. Yeah. But I think it's a good for good for the Australians. It's good for eleven Australians, just not yeah. the other twenty six million of us who have to wait those nine days. <laughs> um, but for those eleven, yes, who are probably the more important eleven, I would prioritise uh, in, in terms of cricket. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you because. Uh, one, it gives them a chance to, to, to rest up a bit and um, and uh, re- uh, recharge. Um, but it does. It's it's hard to you know coming off that that you know kind of very impressive win by the you know an exciting win and they had there would have been adrenaline involved and you know if there is momentum that's got to it goes both ways. It does have to slow up after after nine days. Yeah, you, know, you can still feel be feeling good about yourself. But Australians, yeah, they would have done the work to also remind themselves that they're in a pretty good position, and that um, you know all we need is is one more win, hopefully, or you know, or or, or a tie. We'll take that as well. Uh, all right, Pete. Uh, so we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for doing this. I really do super appreciate it. Uh, what's your prediction for the rest of the season? Let's just like it's two one now. What do you, how do you think it finishes up? I think we win the next one. Mm. And then the super team comes in. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew McDonald gets the, uh, listens to the podcast and he's, he's, he's embarrassed that he hadn't thought of it earlier. I mean, it makes so much sense once you just write it all down. Yeah. It would be one of those things where, you know, there's that famous story about uh, Jonathan Silverman. Uh, the the single guy that was the name of his show wasn't it the single guy and at the time it was like a knockoff of Seinfeld and the single guy was going quite well and he went into the I don't know if this is a true story by the way but he t- he told it on a talk show I believe and um, it was uh, he went into the uh, you know boss's office and he said you know I've got an offer for how much I want to get paid per episode and he got a little piece of paper and he slid it across the table to the boss of the network and the boss of the network took out a pen and he wrote something on the paper and slid it back and it said, Weekend at Bernie's 3. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
happen, I feel like I would like to be in a situation with Andrew McDonald where I just go in <laughs> and I slide that across the table and he's like, you haven't picked Travis Head. And I said, well, you didn't in India, but we have added it four times. Listen to this tape from Peter Hellier. Cummins is batting 11. This is a super team. <laughs> I really, I really hope that. Well, I mean, I, I do hope they try something. I think I'd love to see at least Nessa come in uh, to this team, and um, and you know, um, yeah, I'd love Mitch Marsh to stay. So whatever has to happen to make that work, they're my hopes and dreams. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter Halley, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on Two Guys, One Earn, my desperate bid to get flown internationally to watch cricket all over the world. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. I'm manifesting it. Come I'd on. like to go and watch Test Match Cricket in every country where they play Test Match Cricket. Is that too and much I've, to ask? And the, well, I, I, I mean, the, I, I, look – I, probably, probably it is too much. To ask, I mean, let's be honest. And the, and the fact is, they play cricket everywhere now. I mean, there's you, you go on your, your cricket Australia app, and um, they have all the sporting results. And at the moment, like there's there's a, a game get being played. I think between like there's new like the American there's American teams playing. That's true. There's American. Oh, geez, yeah. See, I could go and get involved in that as well. I could be the next run down sort of cricket reporter. I don't want to be the guys going to the IPL. I want to be the guys going to the American leagues. Yeah. You know, to the yeah, some of the more obscure you know leagues all around the, the world. Well, I can, like, I can the, tell you that. the Netherlands. They play cricket in the Netherlands. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> this podcast can do great things for international cricket. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't have known that the Washington Freedom five foot one one sixty three beat. The Texas Super Kings, who are bloody hard to beat on their home deck at the Grand, Pra- Grand Prairie Stadium. <laughs> on the Grand Prairie Stadium? Yeah. They're playing cricket now, are they? Yeah. And currently, New York are 5 for 90 against the Los Angeles Knight Riders. Not, uh, Los Angeles Knight Riders, that's a team. Well, they'd be the Kolkata Knight Riders because uh, they're all franchises now, like IPL franchises. Oh, so of course, but that's why they'd be called these names. I, but I hope, I hope the car, I hope the kit comes. But you'd out. hope you'd that hope. David Hasselhoff rocks up to games. Like, surely they all get driven out by kit. I, I would hope. Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Lap of honor in the back of kit. <laughs> like my kids or kids the mascot. The kids the drinks cart. <laughs> so so at the drinks break, they drive out in kit and start handing out drinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go Peter Hallier thank you so much for doing this uh, podcast hey uh, Pete what can people um, like you know do some plugs you've got lots of stuff going on at the moment heaps of turns out that now that you, you know, you're not on the project regularly you've just got about a 90 other things that you have been doing so tell people about what's uh, going on in your life that they can look out for well you can look out for um, uh, stand up really is, is the main thing at the moment um, I'll be uh, just completed um, shooting Taskmaster for um, uh, but that, that, that'll go to air next year uh, that was a lot of fun but um, I um, uh, yes yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in uh Adelong and Smithfield this week, um, and then Hobart and Perth, uh, Geelong, Packnam, uh, some of the dates that off the top of my, my head that are... Uh, comedy.com.au, uh, Peter Hallier yeah. touring dates. Uh, have a look if you want to go and see Pete do stand-up comedy. And, uh, yeah, Taskmaster next year, That I'm very excited about that. They had the cast announcement the other day, uh, and what a great collection of people for... Ta- I'm such a huge fan of Taskmaster as a show. I think it's such a perfect format you know and just the fun 
show to watch. They put it together so well. All the versions. The the New Zealand version is currently on Foxtel if you have that or like binge or whatever. And it's so delightful and so fun. And am I right in saying they filmed the Australian one at the same Taskmaster house as they filmed the New Zealand one? Is I, it, was I, it done overseas? I, oh, you're not allowed to say. I cannot confirm you, can't deny, say. You, you, I, you know what? Don't, yeah, but, you don't need to say. But if, I, if you watch the New Zealand what, one, you'll notice yeah. it looks very similar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, look, literally, I wasn't trying to give away some big secret. I was using my eyes to observe something. <laughs> That wasn't me using industry gossip or knowledge. That was just me going, that is definitely the same house I use for the Australian yeah, one. Yeah. So. It, it, it is, it is, I've got to say, it is an extraordinary amount of fun. And, and yeah. you're right, it's such a fun show to watch. It's unlike kind of any other show that exists, um, hence it's been running for so long uh, in the UK. Um, and yeah, a great cast, Aaron Chan, Reese Nicholson, Mel Buttle, uh, uh Conchetta, Conchetta Caristo, who was you know great, and and obviously the two Toms, Gleason and Cashman, and, and um, yeah, it, it's it's it was kind of jo- it was kind of joyous, and, and it is joy. It's a joyous show. Yeah, like that's that's the thing that is perfect about this sort of show. Honestly, is that having watched all of it, like I've watched the, all the UK ones, and I've watched like all the New Zealand ones, and I watched the Australian first series. I love it. I think it's just such a perfect show, but because. No one ever looks bad. It is a show where sometimes the person who wins the series is almost the least entertaining of the – not necessarily, but the point being that whether you're really good at it or really bad at it, the show rewards either of those things. It is set up perfectly to be a mix of all those things because all the skills in it, none of them matter. It doesn't matter if you're not good at the things which takes the pressure off, you know, like rather than getting a comedian on a quiz show where suddenly they, they don't want to look like an idiot so they can't be funny anymore, they, they want to seem like they're smart. This The stakes are so low that like it's impressive if somebody, somebody works something out, but if they don't, that's also just fun and funny because it doesn't actually really matter in that situation. And it's rare that a show can come up with a format where everyone feels so protected when they're also asking them to feel a bit vulnerable in those moments. Yeah. So I think it's really – it's so clever. And, and you, you can fail – what you want to do, you know, when you're back at the studio and you're watching your tasks is either fail spectacularly or, yeah. or succeed spectacularly. Like That's right. It's, it's almost – you know, like one or the other, or take the other. a big risk, and, and, and right? Both, yeah. are, both are great. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as comedians, all you're trying to do is really get laughs, but then you start caring about the points a little bit, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it is, it is, it's a weirdly emotional roller coaster that you end up going on, which I wasn't expecting, but it, it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And to be honest, and, and, you know, after doing 10 years of the project where, you know, I get to, you know, you kind of get to be funny like 40% of the time because there's adult stuff that needs to be, um, your know, news needs to be delivered, uh, albeit differently. But um, it was, you know, and kind of somehow being connected to the news cycle, yeah. it was the perfect thing. I was so excited, you know, when they uh, asked me to be in it because it, I anything really right now that is is uh, silly that I kind of that doesn't you know, talk about politics or, or news, I am I'm kind of bang up for and and um, and you know. It was, one of the reasons I went into the jungle and did I'm a celebrity as well, I was kind of thought that's just, again, it's kind of like family entertainment. It's silly. Um, it's something different. And um, so, yeah, both were kind of 
pretty joyous kind of experience. I can imagine. And this is the other thing I love about Taskmaster that they've got perfect is that some of the points are so completely arbitrary that like even that idea of like it's good when the contestants care a bit about the points. If they don't care at all, it actually doesn't add to the momentum of the show. You want yeah. some sort of idea that there is a competition involved in it. Like, yeah, but I, yeah, but but at the same time, there is the possibility within their format for points to be so arbitrarily decided that, like, it it's great. So it doesn't, it, it, it's kind of fair, but doesn't need to be completely fair, which I think is, oh, but, you know, yeah, such a great element to what they've. I just love it in a format sense. Like, there's a producer part of my brain that just looks at that show and tries to find something that they've done wrong, and it's so hard to you feel like every single thing of that show makes sense and it is there for a reason even if you don't immediately you know see what the reason is it adds to the overall package of the show it's such a yeah it's like yeah anyway so it's a great show i am definitely available to appear on it if, if they in I'm series sure, three I'm i would sure, love to i'm sure that would i would you. love to be part of it uh i'm not going to the jungle i'm not eating shit that's still alive <laughs> but uh, but i would happily go and be bad at some tasks peter hellia thank you so much it's always a delight to talk to you my friend michael michaelis thank you so much for doing this yeah no, i love you mate and um yeah let's go to the aussies let's win this so we can get the big show back in Listener.